presence with us, Lord. Father, thank you for the desire that we want more of you. Father, I pray upon every one of us, upon our spouses, our partners, our families, our children, our grandchildren, great-grandchildren, that, Lord, you would plant a desire for more of you. Father, may the desire be fanned into flame. May it burn brightly. Lord, may it grow and extend. Lord, in your presence, seeing your kingdom extended and your name glorified. Father, thank you that you don't hide yourself from us. Father, thank you that you say, knock and the door will be opened. Seek and you will find. Ask and there will be an answer. Father, thank you for the absolute privilege it is to know you through Christ. Thank you for the privilege of your Holy Spirit who empowers us to be like Jesus. Lord, we praise you. We worship you, Lord. Hallelujah. Church, let's begin to lift our voices to express our worship to God. God, we exalt your name. You are worthy, Lord, of all praise, worthy of all adoration. Hallelujah, Lord. Your name is exalted above every other name. We praise you, Jesus. We worship you, Lord. We seek to worship you in spirit and in truth. Be exalted, O God. Thank you for your goodness. You're a great and awesome and mighty God, worthy of all praise, worthy of all celebration. We declare your greatness. We declare your goodness. We declare your mighty hand. Hallelujah, an awesome, powerful God. We love you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you too for your blessings, your mercies and you every morning. Hallelujah. That's something I'd like to do. If you're comfortable with this, if you're a visitor, don't worry. But if you feel happy to do this, why don't you place uh, your right hand on the shoulder of the person next to you? If you're at the end of an aisle, okay, go the other way. Begin to pray the blessing of God over them. Pray that God's favour would rest upon them and prosper them and strengthen them. Father, we stand with you this morning. Father, I thank you that you're a God who blesses, a God who lifts up, a God who strengthens. Father, we pray your blessing over every person represented here this morning, every household in the name of Jesus. Turn to the person on your left and pray for them too. Hallelujah. Father, we pray blessing, Lord, again on these people. May your grace be with them. Lord, prosper them in their places of work, in university, Lord, at Wintech, in school, in the factory, in the office, Lord. May it be a place of your grace and your favour. And Lord, where your goodness is displayed. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. God bless you. You're looking good. You really are. Actually, before we do sit down, can I just ask you to stand one more time? Sorry about that. Isn't it wonderful that we are a church that sends missionaries around the world? I think of our missionaries in Asia, Vietnam, China, Hong Kong, um, Thailand. Uh, there's missionaries, of course, work in, in was particular still is in Belgium because the burdens are back with us, but Kay is there. And of course, what the clinking birds are doing are through um, Europe as well. And it's wonderful to have Peter and Edgar and their family all the way from Turkey. 
and uh, wonderful to hear the story of what happened this morning. So church, can we pray? And I'm going to ask Josh to join with Peter and Eka and their family. But let's all together, let's lift our voices and pray for our missionaries around the world. Pray that God's grace would be with them, to empower them, to encourage them. So church, let's begin to pray and lift our voices as we pray for our missionaries. Father, we thank You for our missionaries around the world. Father, we lift them up before You, Lord. Father, we pray that Your empowerment of Your Spirit will be upon them. Lord, You would encourage them and strengthen them as they share the good news of Jesus. Lord, may many come to faith. Lord, may there be many churches planted, many lives changed, and communities transformed for through Your goodness and grace. And Father, we thank You for Peter and Edgar and their family that is with us this morning from Turkey. Father, we pray Your grace and encouragement upon them. Lord, may they know Your refreshing. May they know Your encouragement and strength. May You bless and prosper. And Lord, give them great success as they serve You in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. God bless you, church. Great to see you. Let's take a seat. Thank you, Ben. That's really cool. Barry, great to see you. You've had a trip away in the UK. Yeah, wonderful to have you back. So, yeah, great. Trust it was a really good time. And uh, it was wonderful to have uh, Graham and Katie Mills in the 9am gathering this morning. They've been away for about three months. Graham has been on sabbatical. Um, and so, yeah, it's just wonderful to have them back with us this morning. As uh, Josh mentioned, Pastor Sheridan and Jan are in Dublin ministering at the moment, and they're joining with the NLT team uh, of New Zealand and actually national leadership teams all around the globe, uh, from Australia and to Africa and, and Asia and, and in the Americas, to gather in Wales to celebrate the 100th anniversary of the apostolic movement of New Zealand. Also not in New Zealand, the apostolic movement around the world, I should say. And um, it's just wonderful that they're there to the day almost where the first church service, as it was, took place in a place called um, Penny Grow in Wales. And Sheridan and Jam will be visiting there over the next couple of days. So hold them in your prayers. It's going to be a wonderful time of celebration and uh, a wonderful place of identifying where our roots as a movement came from 100 years ago. So that's wonderful for them. Well, church, I've got some news to share with you. Uh, many of you will know, some of you won't know, but Wendy and I um, are having our sabbatical this year. So it's wonderful. It's really, really good. We're really looking forward to it. Thank you. And uh, so we're leaving uh, on our sabbatical on the 22nd of August. We'll be away for 10 weeks. So uh, we will miss you. And I hope you'll miss us too. And uh, we're traveling to the States and we've got some very exciting things to do there and uh, going to an ACTS conference in the UK, uh, travel into Greece. Uh, one of the places I want to, to visit is ancient Philippi, where Paul writes the letter to the Philippi and where we have the book of Philippians, which we'll be talking more about this morning. And then going over into Israel, practice a little bit of my Hebrew and they'll probably go, what? But uh, we'll have fun there, and then we'll head back to New Zealand. So we're back on the 31st of October. So uh, just so you're aware of that, so our, uh, we will be leaving on the 22nd, Monday the 22nd of um, August, so not far away. So that's cool. Well, let's pray. Father, we thank you for the incredible privilege it is to come to your word, Lord. And may your word look into us and refresh us and encourage us. And Lord, wherever we find ourselves, Lord, whether we're in a high place or a place that maybe we've had some struggles through the weeks and even months, Lord, I pray that your word would 
lift us. May the grace of your Holy Spirit inspire us and fill us, Lord, to continue to press on in this wonderful journey of faith. And what a wonderful privilege it is to walk with you, Lord, knowing that you've promised that you'll never leave us nor forsake us, that you love us more than what we can even think, imagine, or understand, and that, Lord, your words that you're for us. So we give you praise and thanks for this. And everyone said, Amen. If you have your Bibles with you, if we can turn to um, Philippians chapter 3, that would be really great. Um, Philippians, as you know, we've been looking through and and, uh, I'm going to touch a few things this morning. I want to give you a a brief review. going to be looking at um, walking on to maturity um, as we go through this and uh, walking well. Um, but before we go there, I, I want to share you a story. But before I go and share you a story, it's great to have Peter and Edgar, who are based in Turkey. And, of course, the Apostle Paul, who wrote the book of Philippians, as you know, traveled uh, through what we would call modern-day Turkey, planted uh, or was part of the seven church plants there, which are mentioned in the book of Revelations, and then travels across um, Turkey, as it was known as Asia Minor back in those days, to plant the first church in Europe at Philippi. And uh, so Paul is writing from prison. He's writing four letters. Philippians is one of them. Colossians and uh, Ephesians is the other. Then he writes a personal letter to Philippi, uh, Philemon, who is at, at the church at Colossians. And so Paul is writing these letters, these four letters, and in particular this one, in Philippians from prison. He's actually been in prison close to four years total. He's in prison in Jerusalem, and now he's in prison in Rome. And um, he wasn't in a jail cell as we would know it, but he did have a bracelet most likely around his ankle, and uh, he was tethered to a guard, a royal guard, for, um, for two years. And uh, Paul was bold in his ministry. He didn't stop sharing the gospel. And uh, you can read about that in Acts, where there was a number of the guard that were finding faith in Jesus. So that's really, really cool. Anyway, so I want to start off with this story. This happened to me probably 35 years ago. Sounds a really long time. My dad used to say 30 years ago when I was around the kitchen table. I said, Dad, that's so old. So long ago. So yesterday. Can we still learn something from there? And of course the answer is yes. So, <laughs> so uh all these years ago, 35 plus years ago, and I can still remember it, um, I met a man and his wife. He was from South Africa. His name was Alistair Cook, and he was probably in his late 60s or early 70s. And I was going to a church meeting. He was preaching that day. And I've never forgotten this encounter with him. I've never had one since like this, and it was absolutely dramatic when I met him. Um, and I'll tell you what happened. So I went up to him and I shook his hand. In fact, he approached me and introduced himself and said, Hi, I'm Alistair. I said, Hi, I'm Ray. And as I looked into his eyes, I've never seen such... Pu- All I can say is the purest eyes I've ever seen in my life. They were this absolute clear blue colour. And as he looked at me, I thought, Oh, my goodness, you know everything about me. I feel really exposed. And uh, whether he did or not, but that's how I felt. And I felt that I encountered Jesus as he looked at me. And if I had to describe what he was like, I'd say he was a person full of grace. He was gracious. And he knew the truth of Jesus. And it just marked me, and I've never forgotten it. So as we go through Philippians 3 today, my prayer is that you'll have an encounter with Jesus 
that will be unique and special to you, that you'll encounter in something with Jesus that you've never seen before. That's my prayer for you today. So let's uh, go to Philippians chapter 3. And um, as I said, I'm going to do a brief review once I find my glasses. And so Philippians chapter 3, here we go. So Paul starts off in verse 1, Whatever happens, dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in God. Rejoice in the Lord. Don't rejoice in circumstances. Rejoice in me. He says, I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it to safeguard your faith. He goes out <clears throat> onto verse 2, and it's like he's been traveling on a really nice limousine on a really nice piece of tar seal road, which is really, really smooth. Who likes traveling on really nice pieces of tar seal? It's, it's really good when you get on that really smooth part of seal, driving down and you go, yeah, this is cool, I just like it. And then you go onto the, the standard road and you go, oh, that's a bit rough. But Paul has been on this really nice tar seal. And then he just turns the wheel left and goes dirt track driving. That's what it's like. And he says in verse 2, watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised. And he's really talking about people who say, if you want to be a Christian, then you must do these rules. Unless you follow these rules and these regulations, you're not saved. And Paul really is uncomfortable. He really slams them. He's not happy about that at all. He goes on to say that we're of the Spirit of God, and he goes on to say that if anybody is qualified to say that they can make up the rules, it's him because he's the Pharisees of Pharisees, he's a Benjamite, so on and so forth. And then Paul carries on, down to verse uh, 9, and he says, We are one with him. I no longer count my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I have become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. And here's a key part in verse 10. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. What Paul is saying I really want to know Jesus. When it's all boiled down to it, no matter what happens in this world, I want to know him. I love the mission statement of YWAM, to know God and to make him know him. I think it's a great statement, to know God and to make him know him. And Paul outlines in this chapter, chapter 3, and it's a phenomenal chapter, really is. I really encourage you to take the time to read it and study it. Paul outlines this is the way you do it, and this is the way you don't do it. The way you don't do it is through rules and regulations, as we've just read in verse 2. And he goes on to say, there's another way you don't do it as being lawless. And we're going to cover a little bit more of that this morning as we go through it. And then in verse 12, he says, not that I've already achieved perfection in knowing God, but one thing I've learned is I forget what's behind, and I'm striving to know more of God. We all have this gap, don't we? We don't know the Lord perfectly. Does anybody know the Lord perfectly? Would anybody like to know the Lord more? Absolutely. And so we have this gap, and every person on the planet has this gap. Paul has this gap. And Paul's saying, one thing I'm doing with this gap, I'm forgetting what's behind. He's not saying I'm suppressing my thoughts. I'm not dealing with things that are behind me. But he's saying whether they're really good things or whether they're not so good things, I'm choosing, I'm selecting to forget those things because I want to get to know the Lord better. That's the most important priority in my life. So therefore, to try and shorten that gap, I'm going to press on. 
Who wants to be a person that presses on this morning? Who wants to be a person that presses on? Yeah. We all should be people that go, I am a presser honor. For not very good English, is it? But that's the sort of person I want to be, a person who presses on. That doesn't mean I'm not confronted with suffering. It doesn't mean I'm not confronted with difficulties and challenges. But I have this mindset. I'm going to press on. That's what Paul is saying. That's what Paul is encouraging us. Let's, he's saying this to the church of Philippi. He's saying it to us. Let's be a church that's committed to press on. And we can forget the past, its highlights, and the challenges. But one thing I'm determined to do is I'm going to press on. And then we come into <clears throat> where we're going to pick it up this morning. So that's a little bit of a brief review. Accelerating to maturity and walking well. So let's start off with this first. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. But we must hold on to the progress we have already made. We've all made progress in the Lord. Paul is encouraging, hold on to it. Don't give up on it. Keep pressing on. As a church, we're making a really big emphasis of building a house of prayer. And uh, the Lord has spoken to us about that over 18 months ago now, earlier in this year and earlier uh, the year before. And so we are pressing on to become a house of prayer. It's really important, church, that we hold on to the progress that we've made, that we don't shrink back or fall back, but we continue to press on and press upward in the call that God has called us to be. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. Yeah. God is calling us to hold on to that, to continue to press in to be that place or that house of prayer. And so, <clears throat> as in verse 2, Paul highlights these things about grace and truth and about legalism. And uh, he talks, as I've mentioned, about those dogs, those that want to, um, people circumcised, making these rules and regulations, which as Christians is not a big issue for us at all now, but back in Paul's day, it was a major thing. Our concern more these days is lawlessness. The attitude, I can do whatever I want, whenever I want, God will forgive me. If I want to sleep with a prostitute, well, that's fine. All I need to do is ask Jesus to forgive me. That's an attitude that permeates too much of the West today. And so we looked at a number of things. God's grace gives us favor. The truth we have in Jesus Christ is freedom. Legalism causes fear. Lawlessness takes us to fantasy. Grace encourages. Joshua 1.9. Be strong and courageous for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I want to say to you this morning, church, let's be strong and courageous. What is the last thing the Lord said to you that you go, oh, I don't know if I've got enough courage for that. I want to encourage you with those words. Be strong and courageous. Step out and step into what God is prompting you to do. His truth brings conviction. Legalism brings control. Lawlessness brings complacency, whatever, whenever, however. God's grace brings restoration the truth brings rest. Legalism is all about rules and religion. Lawlessness is about being a rebel. And so we can carry on. 
I like this one about truth, about serving. When we serve well, it brings a real sweet spot to us. When we don't do it well, our attitudes become sour. And when we're lawless about it, we can become sloppy about it. I shared in the 9am one of the great examples of a server, because he's so gifted at it, is Wayne. Wayne is outstanding at serving. There are many other people here that are outstanding at serving. But Wayne just amplifies it beautifully. He just is so on song with it. And do you know what? I've never seen him be sour, and I've never seen him be sloppy. Isn't that cool? It's really, really good. Yeah, let's put our hands together for him. And there's many others, of course, we could say the same thing. God's grace causes us to be alert. God's truth, there is an abundance. Legalism, it's a fixated mentality. And lawless is an apathetic um, mentality. God's grace causes us to be bold in the truth of God's boundaries. So here's, here's a challenge, church. I, I, I've always been challenged by boldness and to step out and to do things. And um, I'll share this with you. This happened once again a number of years ago. I used to go uh, and with my friend and we would go into town and, and um, hand out tracts and share the good news of, of Jesus with people. Took some courage, took some boldness, I must say. And um, one particular day, I felt the Lord say, I want you to go into that house and knock on the door and, and give a tract. So I knocked on the door and uh, no answer came, and I knocked again, no answer, and I knocked again, and still nobody answered. And I thought, Lord, what was that all about? And I still haven't worked it out. <laughs> Maybe God was going to just test me if I'm willing to step out. You know, church, just imagine how much could be realized in our world if we take some bold steps. Where are some bold steps that you need to take? I'm not saying stupid steps. I'm saying wise, bold steps to step out and do what God is prompting you to do. What are those things? I can imagine they are going through your head right now. Can I encourage you to just respond to God that we are people that are bold? Lawlessness is boundaryless. Grace gives us passion to do what God wants. His truth is we're purposed. Legalism brings perfectionism, and lawlessness is we can be very passive and so home. I love what it says here of, Psalm, uh, of David in Psalm 78, 72, where it says, The Lord led, led him with integrity of heart and with skillful hands. There's grace and truth as he led the people of Israel. Wasn't intense about it, nor was he sloppy. He had a heart of integrity and with skillful hands. So we looked at those things where God wants us to be, and life is lived, on all, my observation, on two tracks. We can either live on the track of grace and truth, or we either live on the track of legalism and truth, or lawlessness and grace. God wants us to live on a track of grace and truth. And I think with every one of us, there's parts of us that are legalistic, judgmental, harsh. There's parts of us that are lawless, that can be sloppy. I want to do it this way. I want to do what I want. God is saying, and Paul is encouraging us, press on to walk in truth and grace. And so 
<clears throat> These are the truths that we looked at. God is holy, our response to be holy. God is creator, using our gifts. God is righteous. He declares us to be righteous. God is good. We have the opportunity to express his goodness. God is love and the call to love one another. And the beautiful thing about all these wonderful truths, the Bible never argues or tries and rationalizes these truths. The Bible simply says these are the truths. Jesus is the truth. The Bible states it. Our response to it is faith. And I heard a great quote the other day that says, reason is simply inadequate to describe reality. Reason is simply inadequate to describe reality. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth. Jesus says, I am reality. And our response to it is to place our faith and our trust into him. And because of all of that truth, our heart's desire is to worship him to praise him, to thank him for the awesome God he is. And our response to one another is to encourage one another that we would be, uh, continue to exercise God's goodness, love one another, grow and exercise our gifts. So there we go. So accelerating to maturity. So Paul says in Philippians 3.70, Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. How about that? Pattern your lives after mine. Paul is saying, copy me. Be like me. I, I don't know when you read that. I sort of feel, really, Paul? Is, is that what it's about? Are you, you saying that we should just copy you? You know, you've got the audacity to say that. And Paul says that many, many times through the New, the New Testament. Yeah, copy me. And um, I think it's a good challenge for us. Who are people around us that we desire to imitate because they've got values and characteristics that we really, really admire? Tom, my son, is working in a, in a new place and the CEO of the business uh, has a, an unusual but a, a very charming um, habit, if you like. My son says when he comes up to talk to you, he does this. Just bounces on us, so you just go, how are you going, Tom? And he's just bouncing up and down like this. He said he's a very uh, extroverted figure. And, and Tom goes, yeah, it's good, and he's just bouncing away like this. And he gets very excited, bouncing away. And uh, then Tom goes on to tell me, when there are the sales team in the showroom selling cars, here are the salesmen doing... <laughs> they're, they're mimicking, they're really copying their boss, and... Um, one of the things, my, my kids have a bit of a go at me. I, I've got a really good friend of mine. He's a Chinese guy, and, and I love China, and I phone him up from time to time. And as the conversation goes along, um, I, I start saying this, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> and my kids are going, he's talking to one of his mates in China, mum. <laughs> so we, we imitate. We, we just have got this natural thing within us that we copy others. And Paul is saying, he's recognizing that. And here's the model to copy. Paul is saying, I'm a model, copy me. And it's really good to look around and, and look at that. And why is it important to imitate others? Because it's smart to learn from others because life is too short to learn it all by yourself. It's just gonna take too long to learn it all. When you can talk to somebody else, who's worked these things out and has got a really good pattern. As I mentioned 
before about Wayne. He's a fantastic server. There are others here that have got fantastic skills. Um, at Business Plus the other night, Nicole shared beautifully about building culture in business and family and work environments. And I'd really encourage you, if you've got some interest in that, I'm sure we'd love to talk to you about it. But it's learning and imitating those things. And so Paul is saying, imitate me. And this is what he wants us to imitate. This is what he's saying, imitate me. Press on. There's a gap. I don't know at all. I don't know everything about God. I don't know everything about the grace and truth of Jesus. But I'm pressing on. I'm pressing on to know more of Jesus. Don't look at the legalism. Don't look at the lawlessness. Just look straight ahead to Jesus. That we might become like him. Forgetting what's behind, I'm pressing on. You know, I like the analogy of a tennis player. When you see, you know, these great tennis players, Andrew Murray and so forth, when they're ready to receive the ball, they're postured correctly. They're bending over, anticipating, waiting for that ball to come. And they step out and away they go and respond and hit the ball back over and hopefully they'll do a winning shot. They're postured rightly. They've got the right perspective. They're looking to win. And so Paul is saying, imitate me in this. Be postured to press on. Have the perspective of looking at Jesus. It's so easy to look at what's going wrong on the left or the right, but Paul is saying, press on and look at me. So it's a good thing to imitate. It's a really good thing to imitate. And it's not about imitating rules that people have or habits, and, but the key thing to imitate from the life of Paul is, I'm pressing on into Jesus. That's what Paul is saying. Above all else, press on to Jesus and copy that virtue in my life. And here's how to do it. You don't do it by following rules, and you don't do it by being lawless. You do it by placing your faith and the trust and the truth, which is Jesus Christ, and being empowered by his Holy Spirit to do it. Because we can't do it by ourselves. We can only do it through Jesus. So <clears throat> if Paul is saying, imitate me, be smart and learn from others. Life is too short to learn it uh, by yourself. The other thing, when you imitate somebody, it develops your identity. You know, um, I have Scottish um, ancestry, and um, not that I'm very good at um, mimicking a Scottish accent, I won't try, but um, one of the things, you can recognize a Scottish person straight away by the way that they sound. There's a sound that comes from them that you know, well, you must be from Scotland. There's a certain culture and characteristics. Many of them play bagpipes. And we're killed. So when you see that, you, they're instantly identified where they come from because of the way, they, the way that they sound, the way that they act, what they wear. And so Paul is saying, imitate me, that you'll begin to develop a certain sound. You'll begin to develop a certain culture. And here's what the sound and culture looks like. It's certainly not legalistic. It's not rules and regulations and all those sorts of things. And it's certainly not lawlessness. And the thing about legalism, it's probably not so much of a part of an issue in our world in the West. It certainly is an issue in the East. But the issue that we have to watch in our world today is lawlessness. I can do whatever I want, whenever I want. The grace of God empowers me 
Well, if I can sin, that's fine because Jesus has forgiven me. The grace of God doesn't license for sin. The grace of God empowers us to live righteously like Jesus. And that's where God wants us on. He doesn't want us on a lawless track. He wants us on a grace and truth track. And that's where life is found. So identity is developed as we imitate what Paul is saying, imitating him. And identity is a set of unique characteristics that are shared in common with others. Isn't it wonderful as a church we can share these characteristics of walking in God's grace and his truth? That legalism, judgmentalism, control, fear has no place in the kingdom of God. And I know at times we all step over there. I shared you know, last time about my uncle who, um, who said, unless you come to my church, Raymond, I was about 12, you cannot be saved. I remember looking in the Bible going, I can't find that there, Uncle Martin. Being legalistic. I shared this in the 9am gathering this morning. My mum died when I was 21, and that was a tough journey for our family. And I remember one you know, Christian, he was well-meaning, I know, I hold no offence to him whatsoever. But he said to me, oh, if you had more faith, your mum would be raised from the dead. And you go, ah, just no place for comments like that. Just no grace in it. Now, I hold no unforgiveness towards them. God bless them. But as a church, it's a, it's a zone where we don't want to be in. Just not where God has called us. And this lawlessness side, where I can do whatever I want, however I want, sin is okay, is not okay. Because the grace of God empowers us to be like Jesus whenever and wherever. The grace of God empowers us to build a house of prayer. The grace of God empowers us to be the best I can for Jesus. And Satan being the best, there's still a gap, but Paul says, press on. And so I know we're not perfect, but we're on a road that presses on to Jesus. And that's why I love his encouragement. It's such good advice. No matter where we are on our journey, press on in the grace and truth of Jesus. And then finally, as you imitate Paul and imitate others, mature believers, we develop our identity, this set of characteristics, which is Christ within us. Then our uniqueness is also developed and encouraged because your distinct gifts and abilities will grow and develop and um, God will use those as he's called and shaped you. So imitating Paul, it's a wonderful thing to do. Imitating other mature believers. And church, there's great believers here to imitate. Now I think of uh, um, Graham Fullerton, who's been around forever. And has had some real challenges over his years. Has lost children, not just once, but twice. And yet he's absolutely focused on the Lord. Tremendous example. Many others as well. So walking well. Paul says, I want us to walk well. So here we go. For I have told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct show that they're really enemies of the cross of Christ. So in verse 2 we had Paul saying the dogs, which are all about the rules, and regulations about being circumcised. Now Paul is addressing another group, if you like, saying these are lawless people. 
These people do whatever they want to, however they want to, with no regard to the law of Jesus. And um, Paul's got tears in his eyes as he's expressing this. They're really enemies of the cross. Verse 19, they are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite or their desires. They, sprag, they brag about shameful things, and they think only about this life here on earth. And so here are these appetites, these desires to do and live however I want, whatever way I want. And the thing is that lawlessness and legalism are really two um, non-identical twins because neither of them really believe in the grace of God. And so I want to talk about this one, empowered eternal as the grace and truth and legalism about being elite or embittered. When I was... uh, 17, which is going back a few years ago, our church had a regular camp, and uh, we met with, I was going to a Presbyterian church, and we met with the Methodists and the Anglicans, I think, and some others, and we'd go down to Otaki, I was living in Palmerston North at the time, and I didn't want to go to this camp, I wasn't really interested in going to the camp at all, but there were some nice girls going, (laughs) and one in particular, so I thought, okay, I'll go, (laughs) I'll go to camp just to be with these girls, just to sit next to them which I did for one night. But <laughs> but on the Saturday night, I'll never forget this, we were with a group of about 120, 150 youth praising God, worshipping God, and, and the leader said, raise your hands. So I think it was the first time ever in my life that I'd raised my hands to God. And as we continued to worship God, soon after that, all of a sudden, I was speaking in other tongues. A completely new language was flown out of my mouth. And I knew that Jesus had baptized me in the Holy Spirit. It was supernatural. Amazing. And I wasn't the only one. There was probably 60, 70, 80 kids that night that nobody had laid hands on. Nobody spoke anything about receiving the gifts of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. And there it was. It was supernatural. And I had no doubt I knew Jesus. It was like he laid his hand on my head and released the Holy Spirit. And I spoke in other tongues. And when I read the, the scriptures, it was like there was certain places, the words would just absolutely jump off the page. And in those cases, I'd either be really encouraged or really convicted as God was speaking to me. But it was dramatic. It was absolutely life-changing. And as I said, I was going to a Presbyterian church. It was a great church. It was really, really good. But I felt they weren't, well, they weren't open to the things of the Holy Spirit. So because I was young with a whole bunch of other friends, we, we went to a couple of other churches that were Pentecostal in the city, and life went on, and that was great. But our youth leader, who was in his mid-40s, the church structure really had a, an issue with the things of the Spirit. And so they asked him to leave along with a small group of others that were filled with the Spirit, which was really, really tough for him. But what I noticed over the years, two, three years, Pentecostal churches, this is just a generalization, were thinking that, hey, we're a little bit better than the other mainline churches that don't speak in tongues. This elitist attitude was creeping in. The good news today is that the gifts of the Spirit Minister in, in, in all churches, brethren, Baptists, Presbyterian, Pentecostal, it's great. But there was this elitist attitude, we're better than you. We've got one up on you. And church, it's down that 
channel of legalism. That wasn't good. It's not good. The grace of God goes, we're all the children of Jesus. Praise God. And I want to say, if you're here this morning, whether you speak in tongues or not, we love one another. There's no first class or second class Christians. We're all the children of God. Sure, it's an expression of what God did through the book of Acts. Sure, I really encourage it. But no person is any less than the other if they do or don't speak in tongues. And it's really important as a church that we walk in the grace and the truth of that. And I notice people being prayed for, the, for speaking in tongues. Some instantly come with a release. Others take days, even weeks. I remember talking to a person I prayed for a long time ago. <clears throat> and um, there was no response when I prayed with her. But she said, about a week later, I was driving down the road. And all of a sudden, a new language was flown out of my mouth. God is not bound to our expectations. Isn't that good? God is not bound to your or my expectations the way that we should think it to be. God is much greater and much, much bigger. And so we need to expand and enlarge it. So this elitism is not only in the area of speaking in tongues. It's very easy to creep in around the area of healing. And there is mystery in the area of healing. I've been healed supernaturally by God. I remember praying for a really sore throat that I had one time. And instantly, within moments, the pain went away. Then I prayed for, and that was wonderful. Then I prayed for a really sore knee I had. And I don't know if anything happened. <laughs> but God still heals. God is healer. And so what we've got to watch with legalism, and there's just so many different testimonies of instantaneous, gradual healings, healings that take place days after people have been prayed for. We can't put rules or regulations. And the moment it goes into legalism, in other words, if you're not healed right now, you don't have enough faith. That is not the grace of God being exercised. That is legalism. And God doesn't want us to go there. And I, Sheridan, Pastor Sheridan, Jan and I, we want to see our church filled with the miraculous and the healing of God. And we will need to watch that we don't go into legalism and say, you need more faith. Now, that might be true, but it's not the thing to go and say to a person because the grace of Jesus will lift that person up and present them before God. Equally, on the other side, we don't want to get to a lawless stage and say, well, just because I prayed for this person and they weren't healed, that means God doesn't heal. That is not the truth. The truth is Jesus heals the sick. And the empowerment of his spirit enables it to happen. But it's according to God's agenda, not ours. And no matter what happens when we pray for the sick, whether they're healed instantaneously or not, one thing we do, we press on to know Jesus more. We press on and we stand with one another and we love one another and we support one another and we encourage one another and we become a healing body and the love and the support and the grace of God. And there's no sign at all of being legalistic and there's no sign of being lawless. It's Jesus in and through it. Isn't that a good place to be? That's where God wants us to be. So we can praise God for medical technology. We praise God for doctors and nurses because they're extending the ministry of Jesus. We pray and give thanks to those that pray for the sick. God is at work amongst us. 
And sometimes we just can't make sense of it because people die. But they're with the Lord. And that's got to be better still. So here's what legalism does. It kills. It kills life. It takes life. It robs life. God doesn't want us to be there. Paul slams those that were saying that you have to be saved by being circumcised. In other words, you have to be saved by keeping these rules. Paul goes, there's absolutely no place of that in the kingdom of God. And Jesus, when you look at his ministry, really slams the religious leaders. And lawlessness, it spoils. If we don't have truth guiding us and leading us, we don't have the, the grace of the Holy Spirit and to empower us to walk righteousness, our lives will spoil. It's really interesting, you know, when I look at, um, in fact, Pastor Sheridan shared it last week, about the tree putting the fertilizer around for one more year. One more year. Do you remember when he said that? Yeah, I love that. That's grace. Let the grace of God work Give it season. Give it time to do the transformation that it needs to do. I think of the story of the prodigal sons, or the prodigal son. Two sons. We know one son says, Dad, give me the inheritance. I'm going off to a foreign land. And away he goes, spends all his money, finds himself on a farm amongst the pigs, saying, I want to go home. I've had enough. He's living on the lawless side of things. Just let me go. Let me do whatever I want. In fact, I have no regard for the truth. In fact, I'm intolerant of anybody who brings truth. They've been judgmental to me. It's very much the non-identical twin to lawlessness. And so this son, he comes back and he says these very interesting words. Perhaps my dad will treat me or hire me as a hired servant. It's a very now legalistic view. I'm not a son. I'm a servant. And so we know that the son, uh, the prodigal son comes back and the father is waiting there and he runs to him, puts a robe over him, puts a ring on him, puts sandals on him, calls for the, the fatted calf and celebrates. He is so, so pleased that his son has come home. And here's the truth, church. And here's the thing about God's grace. It is so generous it is so extravagant. It is far better than what we can even think or imagine. God is so for us and he's so with us and his grace is so willing to lift us up and empower us to live for him. And what does the older brother do? When, God's, when this grace is exposed, the older brother reacts. Legalism reacts and says, well, dad, I've worked for you all these years. You've never given me a calf to celebrate with my friends. It's what legalism, I'm under these rules, I'm under these regulations. And the father says, everything I have is yours. And that's what the grace and truth of Jesus is. That everything in the kingdom, the kingdom of God dwells within us. And yet legalism and lawlessness will diminish it all this incredible riches we have in Christ Jesus, this incredible gift we have in him, his grace and his truth. And uh, as we would share a joke these days, we leave the punchline to last. So when Jesus was sharing the, uh, the uh, parable of the prodigal son, actually it's really about that the punchline is the older brother, the legalism, the Pharisaic attitude. 
And that's what Jesus is really trying to address. He's saying it's grace. Grace is the answer to legalism. Grace is the answer to lawlessness. There's absolute faith and trust that we can walk in the truth of Jesus because his Holy Spirit empowers us. And as Paul says, if we have that attitude, just continue to press on. God's power will empower you to walk in the truth that he's called you to be. Isn't that awesome? And so in John 15, 26, the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Truth. In Hebrews 10, 29, the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Grace. And the thing is, to walk in the grace and truth of Jesus Christ, we can't do it by ourselves. Our flesh will always take us down the route of legalism or lawlessness. But Jesus or the Holy Spirit will take us along in grace and truth so that we become like Jesus. And I think of that man that I first mentioned, who, as I looked into his eyes, I thought I was looking at Jesus. When, tr when grace and truth continues to work with us, guess what? We become like Jesus. Whenever, wherever, being like Jesus. And how does that look? It doesn't look by laying down the law. And it doesn't look by being sloppy. It looks out by reaching the hand of God's kindness to those around us. It reaches out with respect. It reaches out with love. It reaches out to lift others up. And doesn't, isn't that the truth what our world needs? That people that are lifted up, people that are encouraged, people that are respected, people that say, give it another go, people that say, I believe in you. Grace and truth. That's what Paul is calling us to in Philippians 3. And I'll finish with this very briefly. In Philippians 3, 15 to 20, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our saviour. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into his glorious bodies like his own, using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. That is a massively big verse, which we haven't got time to go on today. But what Paul is saying, once again, as he said in the middle of that chapter in verses 12 and 14, one thing I do, forgetting the past, I press on. He's pressing on to the high calling he has in Jesus Christ. And so church, I want to encourage us this morning. Let's be a people that press on to the fullness of the grace and truth that we have in Jesus Christ and lay aside legalism and lay aside lawlessness, which every one of us has to deal with. And the way we do that is by looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And Paul is saying, imitate that in me, because that's what I do. I look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Why don't we close our eyes and bow our heads? If you're here this morning, if this, well, you find yourself, maybe you've, um, you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. Maybe you don't know what it is to walk in the grace and the truth and know what it is to have your sins forgiven through His precious blood so you can stand before His throne of grace righteous, just as though you've never sinned. If that's you this morning or... Maybe you're here going, well, look, I've been traveling down this legalism route. You know, I try and seek control and fear and things like that. Maybe that's you, or maybe you're thinking, gee, I've been down the lawless side and 
I've just been pretty sloppy with things. I know God's forgiven me, but I've not been honouring His grace to live like the way He wants me to do. If that's you this morning, why every eye is closed and head is bowed, can you give me a wave? I'd just love to pray with you. Take a few moments. Father, we thank you that, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the words of the Apostle Paul. One thing I do, forgetting what's behind, I press on towards a high calling in Christ Jesus. Father, may we be a church that's filled with the grace and truth of Jesus Christ. That, Lord, we don't get into the lane of legalism nor into the lane of lawlessness. But, Lord, we're with you, empowered by your Holy Spirit to live like Jesus wherever and whenever. Father, fill our hearts with boldness and our lives with courage. Fill us with strength and tenacity to be all that you've called us to be. That, Lord, when people would look upon us, they would see Jesus. That when people interact with us, they would feel Jesus. Lord, when people report about us, they would say, Jesus is there. So, Father, may we be a place that expresses your love and your goodness to the city, to this nation, and to the nations. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said, Amen. God bless. Thank you, church. Thank you, Ray. That was excellent. Good stuff to walk in that balance of grace and truth. Uh, just a reminder, if you're new here today, grab one of these just as you leave the foyer, uh, just on your right as you head, uh, sorry, as you leave to go into the foyer, just on your right there. Um, church, please be intentional in your giving. So the giving stations as you leave either doors, just on the left there. So please remember to do that. Uh, we're going we're gonna to finish with a song. We've got Peter Height speaking this evening. So 6 p.m. service, if you want to come to that. You're already getting clapped and you haven't even spoken. That's right, it's going to be good. Yeah, anticipation. I love it. Um, hey, we're gonna we're gonna finish with a song, um, and then as you go, two things. There's a whole lot of kiwi fruit freely available in the foyer. There's bags there, so you can grab some and take that home. Um, and if you'd like prayer for anything that's been covered today, or just want to, someone to stand with you in prayer, um, just at the end, come on up here. There'll be a prayer team that will join with you and pray. Thanks, church. Have a good week. I invite you to stand back to your feet there, church, and we're just going to declare this over ourselves before we leave. This morning, you turn my sadness into gladness. You turn my sorrow into joy. And now I'm singing and I'm dancing and I will shout for joy. You turn my sadness into gladness. You turn my sorrow
have an awesome week, guys. Bless you.